This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Well, it has been a day of very dramatic developments in the Gian Gomeshi case. He's apologized in court for his thoughtless and insensitive behavior to a former colleague who had accused him of sexually assaulting her. That was to be the end of it, as we reported yesterday. The charges against him were dropped after he signed a peace bond and made that apology. That former CBC colleague decided to come forward. Now, I want to hear from you. The numbers 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. And please call early in the show. But first, let's hear from that former CBC colleague. Her name is Catherine Burrell. There's no question that she has more credibility than the complainants in the previous trial. And this is what she had to say after she heard Gomeshi's apology. My name is Catherine Burrell. In December of 2014, I pressed sexual assault charges against Gian Gomeshi. As you know, Mr. Gomeshi initially denied all the charges that were brought against him. But today, as you just heard, Gian Gomeshi admitted wrongdoing and apologized to me. It's unfortunate, but maybe not surprising, that he chose not to say much about what exactly he was apologizing for. I'm going to provide those details for you now. Every day over the course of a three-year period, Mr. Gomeshi made it clear to me that he could do what he wanted to me and my body. He made it clear that he could humiliate me repeatedly and walk away with impunity. There are at least three documented incidents of physical touching. This includes the one charge he just apologized for when he came up behind me while I was standing near my desk, put his hands on my hips, and rammed his pelvis against my backside over and over simulating sexual intercourse. Throughout the time that I worked with him, he framed his actions with near daily verbal assaults and emotional manipulations. These inferences felt like threats or declarations like I deserved to have happening to me what was happening to me. It became very difficult for me to trust what I was feeling. Up until recently, I didn't even internalize that what he was doing to my body was sexual assault. Because when I went to the CBC for help, what I received in return was a directive that yes, he could do this, and yes, it was my job to let him. The relentless message to me from my celebrity boss and the national institution we worked for were that his whims were more important than my humanity or my dignity. So I came to accept this. I came to believe that it was his right. But when I spoke to the police at the end of 2014 and detailed my experiences with Mr. Gomeshi, they confirmed to me what he did to me was, in fact, sexual assault. And that's what Gian Gomeshi just apologized for, the crime of sexual assault. 
This is the story of a man who had immense power over me and my livelihood, admitting that he chronically abused his power and violated me in ways that violate the law. Mr. Gomeshi's constant workplace abuse of me and my many colleagues and friends has since been corroborated by multiple sources, a CBC Fifth Estate documentary, and a third-party investigation. In a perfect world, people who commit sexual assault would be convicted for their crimes. Gian Gomeshi is guilty of having done the things that I've outlined today. So when it was presented to me that the defense would be offering us an apology, I was prepared to forego the trial. It seemed like the clearest path to the truth. A trial would have maintained his lie, the lie that he was not guilty. And it would have further subjected me to the very same pattern of abuse that I'm currently trying to stop. Gian Gomeshi has apologized, but only to me. There are 20 other women who have come forward to the media and made serious allegations about his violent behavior. Women who have come forward to say that he punched and choked and smothered and silenced them. There is no way that I would have come forward if it weren't for their courage. And yet Mr. Gomeshi hasn't made, met any of their allegations head on, as he vowed to do in his Facebook post of 2014. He hasn't taken the stand on any charge. All he has said about his other accusers is that they're all lying and that he's not guilty. And remember, that's what he said about me. I think we all want this to be over, but it won't be until he admits to everything that he's done. Thank Wow. To me, that is an incredibly powerful statement and a huge indictment, not just of Gomeshi, but of our public broadcaster, a public institution. I'm going to get to your calls, but first, let's hear from Wendy Comiotis. She is the executive director of METRAC, which is an organization taking action on violence against women and children. Good afternoon, Wendy. Good afternoon, Libby. Thank you for inviting me to your discussion here today. Um, thank you for for giving us your perspective. Now, what, what do you make of what happened this morning? Is it satisfying to you? Do you think it, it uh, helps give people closure, let's say? Well, uh, I, I listened to the complainant, and um, I certainly felt um, really that this is yet another example of how the system fails women over and over, the criminal justice system. And um, I uh, really, what can I say except that um, it's unfortunate that women come away feeling so disenfranchised and so um, not experiencing um, re a real sense of justice in the way that the, 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 system, the criminal justice system handles these cases. Sexual assault is not a good fit for our criminal justice system. Well, it is, it's not. Uh, a lot of people certainly uh, feel that way. Uh, but what she said today was she thought that this uh, outcome was the best way to uh, confirm that the things that she accused him of were true, that they happened, and that she didn't have to go through a trial. Is there no value in that? 
Of course there's value. I think um, there's value in the fact that, uh, and I I, I want to say that I don't necessarily want to be commenting on just this indi- individual case because this is a systemic issue for Matrag and we try not to individualize it, but clearly this this has worked for her and for many survivors. They tell us that what they're more interested in is an acknowledgement of how this person's um, actions uh, has impacted them. And they, they want to know that they won't do it again. There's a commitment to reflect on their actions. Sometimes they, they in addition to an apology, they may want some form of counseling support um, and some form of um, continuous education until there's a sense that the person is really um, sort of redemptful about their actions. Mm-hmm. Now, you're saying, I, I know this, and there are women have been outside the courthouse protesting that women do not feel that the criminal justice system allows them to be heard in sexual assault cases. Do you have a better idea? In terms of alternatives? Yep. Well, you know, I mean, there there many different models that are available out there. And I think definitely we would want to, with any alternative, we'd want to do the research. We'd want to make sure that we definitely zero in on the best part of those practices. But I do, again, um, say that what survivors tell us is they don't want um, the kind of polarized, um, shaming, stereotyping that happens in the system. They want strictly to be able to confront the um, perpetrator and say, this is what you've done to me. This is how I've experienced it. Just like the, um, that similarly to the complainant who just spoke, this is what I've experienced. This is the harm that has been done to me. And I want to know that, you know, you understand the effect it has had on me. Clearly, she's talked about not being able to integrate those experiences, the, the level of trauma that we know in doing this work that survivors experience from a sexual assault. You know, those are the things that need to be acknowledged. And 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 sometimes it's that's that's actually more important than you know whether you lie, she lied, you know, or you wanted it. All those stereotypes about women going after men because they want to destroy them or because they want revenge or they want publicity. Yeah, um, uh, Wendy. Uh... Hang on there. Let's take a couple of calls because uh, people are waiting and uh, I'm sure they have questions for you. Uh, so we've got Sam in Brantford. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hi, uh, good afternoon. How are you doing, Libby? Fine, how um, are you? I'm very fair. Uh, in a trial, everything has to be disclosed. Uh, sending emails and text messages along with photographs and a bikini a few days later presents a lot of uncertain facts and doubt. So the judge had no choice but to find him not guilty when there is actually what actually took place. I've got nothing against this lady or other ladies, but they have to be accurate in what they testify in a court. Yeah, yeah, but this particular lady from today, uh, she was she was a colleague of his, so it, that wasn't part of that first trial with the bikinis. She was talking about what he did to her at work yeah. uh, for a period of three years. I understand. Uh, and, uh, and also that her bosses at the CBC told her to suck it up. 
But on the on the news uh, forecast today from your station, I heard she was talking about other women. Well, she I said... Don't, I don't think did. it's fair that she talks about other women. She should be talking about what actually took place with her. It's a lot easier to get on trial and state your facts individually rather than uh, bring in two or three other people. No, I think what she was saying was that um, there were definitely problems with the other testimony, but that there were... 20 other women with similar stories, and, and perhaps there was something to it. Wendy, you wanted to jump in there. No, I, I think what we're missing here is that um, by referencing the many other colleagues who may have experienced a similar situation, it is about the systemic and cultural nature of sexual assault and how um, many uh, um, communities, institutions, workplaces, leaders who are involved in determining whether or not or who have the power to stop these situations can sometimes um, collude because of how culturally embedded these values and, and, and these beliefs are around women. And, and it's, it's accepted. And um, this, is, uh, this is one situation, but there's so many more here. It is a systemic problem that we need to fix in our society. Um, You're saying it's a systemic problem with women. I mean, in my perception, anyway, is that in this case, it's the problem has to do with the culture of celebrity and and what so-called stars can get away with. I think that that's an added factor, but men, whether they are celebrities or whatever class group they're from, many men, because it is so common um, as a cultural experience for women and for men and and, and trans community members too, that you uh, this it, it doesn't really matter. I, I think that we often tend to say, well, celebrities do it more than, and certain communities do it more than. Or maybe get away it, with it. Or, But maybe that's part of it, because often they have the resources to do that, um, to get away with it. But the reality is that this is a problem across the board, across all economic groups. This is a problem. And it, it you know, some, it, some women aren't more deserving than others. All women deserve to have this issue addressed and stop, whether they're participating or they're, they're privileged to be in a relationship with a celebrity or not. But uh, yes. So how do we stop, how do we stop it? Uh, how, do you stop, how do we stop this well, uh, sexual assault? Well, yeah. my suggestion is if there is a sexual assault involved, I think that person should be complaining immediately rather than wait until somebody else comes forward to join the group. Well, the, I think the things that Wendy is talking about are the things that stop people from from coming forward. Either they think they won't be believed or they think people will delve into their own sexual history and they'll be humiliated. Uh, all those things, Sam, don't you think that might stop people? I mean, if you had – if this affected, a, a you know, a woman it, close to you, uh, wouldn't you worry about those things if she came forward? Um, well, I've been to court many times, and I'll tell you, from my experience, it's a lot easier to tell the truth when you're on the stand than, than uh, change it or, or modify it in, in a way two or three days later. Mm-hmm. So if these girls got nothing to say but the truth, then they should go up there and stand and tell, tell exactly what took place. You see, I think here what you don't understand is that trauma 
often, first of all, um, women may not even quite get in the moment that what they've just experienced was actually sexual assault. They may not understand the laws of sexual assault and how sexual assault is defined. But of course, when it's as bl- when it's a blatant, inappropriate touching, that can be easier to um, to understand. However, it takes a lot of courage for women to be able to go publicly or make a decision to report knowing that eventually they'll have to expose a lot of very intimate details about their sexual life and also have to be subjected to um, a very challenging and difficult um, test testifying situation. So I, I, I think it may sound really easy to do, but if you're in that experience and from talking to survivors, it is very, very difficult to be so exposed publicly. Okay, Wendy, yeah. Wendy, can we just hold on because we do have to take a break here. Uh, we're going to be back with more from you, of course. I'm going to give the numbers again and people be patient. And uh, as I've said before, Better to call earlier in the show because we end up backed up when we've got to take a break or we've got to switch to another topic. The numbers, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we are talking about today's Gomeshi apology, which was followed by a very moving statement by the complainant. So uh, we'll be back right after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the developments in the Gian Gomeshi case. He apologized in court today, uh, at least to the one complainant, a former colleague, uh, who was the complainant in the trial, the second trial that was supposed to take place next month. In exchange, he signed a peace bond and the charges were dropped. But that complainant came forward and made a very moving statement uh, talking about how over the course of three years working with him, um, she felt like he could just do whatever he wanted to her body, could humiliate her. And her bosses basically told her that there was nothing to be done about this. Her name, Catherine Burrell. Uh, I am on the line with Wendy Comiotis, Wendy Comiotis, excuse me, Executive Director of METRAC, which is an organization taking action on violence against women and children. Wendy, one of the things uh, that I found yesterday is that there were a number of calls from women who basically said, you know, uh, the problem was that, that these other women uh, you know, jumped into bed with him too quickly. And uh, if they had perhaps waited longer, such a thing wouldn't happen. What do you say about that type of argument? Um, what I would say is that um, there's a tendency when we are looking at issues of sexual assault, because they're so layered and complicated, to shift 
attention away from the responsibility of the perpetrator to blame the women. It's something that they did. And that's very interesting because when there's a robbery and, you know, it's not criminal, but this makes it even, um, it just as, a, as an, a bit of an analogy here, when there's a robbery, no one says, well, you know, it's something that you did. You know, you the, often people will, will look at, you know, like that car is private property. You leave it alone. And and I think we have to, uh, it, it's important that we shift responsibility where it belongs. And it belongs to the perpetrator who acts inappropriately and who harms women in their actions. Like the treatment that's described in these situations, they're totally unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, is there nothing to be said that um, maybe if you knew the person better, this wouldn't have happened? You know, most relationships, most sexual assaults happen in relationships. They're they're committed by um, partners that women know. Um, it's so. I think the idea of saying if you know the person better, um, you know, a, a, a spouse can assault a partner. It, it's really it's about record respecting if a person says no or. If they change their mind in terms of what is happening intimately, that they have that right to be able to do that, and the person has to respect that 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 those wishes at that moment in time. Okay. That's what the issue is. Okay, I think we have time for one more call. Let's go to Lily in London. Hi, Lily. Hi. I just like to make the comment that I think the corporation should be uh, taking more responsibility in the workplace. Back in the 70s, this uh, happened to me. I reported it to the top people. Very large corporation. You probably don't want me to say the name. And they said, oh, is he doing that again? We'll have to talk to him. But I had gone out that morning, and uh, when he had approached me about having uh, sexual relations, I went out, got another job, and then reported it. They only gave him a, a slap on the knuckles. And I think what, and that was back in. 1970s, yeah, you and know, and I, I, corporations are still allowing it. I thought that things had improved since the 70s because uh, that kind of thing, like I it. think, was a lot more rampant in the 70s. But here we are again, right? And corporations are just saying you shouldn't be doing that now. Don't do that, and <laughs> nothing happens. They keep doing it, and that poor woman must have gone through hell. I was fortunate. I went out, got another job right away, and told them to uh, take their job and do whatever they wanted with it. But they were just going to give him a slap on the knuckle. Oh, he's doing that again. We told him not to do that. And and I, I would say that um, you were lucky to have the opportunity to go out and find another job. That may not be an easy option for some women. So they may have to put up with this behavior. And I totally agree that workplaces need to take um, sexual assault and any complaint seriously. And certainly, um, this is part of the reason why we've got a new um, bill and act that's, that's being put into force in the fall um, through the current provincial government. We've got the Bill 132 that's definitely um, looking at at taking sexual, uh, sexual violence and harassment much more seriously in the workplace. 
Okay, that is a good note to wrap things up on on this topic because uh, we're going to have to switch switch gears very shortly. Wendy Comiotis, oh, I don't know what's wrong with me You're today on okay. your name. <laughs> Wendy Comiotis, I'm usually good with names. Executive Director of Metrac, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you to our callers. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.